0: What's the story behind the finance story? What happens when a big news story breaks and the markets crash or soar?
1: I myself have been staggered at how the market has reacted to some of these heightened geopolitical risks, i.e. hardly at all. Um, I find it very difficult to see why some market reactions have happened and some haven't.
0: Today we chat to Tiki Fullerton, one of Australia's top business journalists, who now hosts her own finance news program on the Sky Business Channel. And there are lots of opportunities. 100 points swing on the Dow. You've got to distinguish between mistakes and losses.
1: Deer in the headlights gets people into
0: trouble. The history of financial markets and the history of economies is cyclical. The Artful Trader. Hi and welcome to The Artful Trader. I'm Michael McCarthy, the Chief Market Strategist at CMC Markets Asia-Pacific. Each episode, we'll hear the highs and lows from the trading experts and discover their journey to mastering the art of the financial markets. In this episode, we talk to Tiki Fullerton, host of the daily finance news report called Tiki on the Sky Business Channel. She worked for two decades for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation as a senior finance reporter and investigative reporter for Four Corners. But Tiki actually began her career at Credit Suisse. Tiki is considered one of the top business journalists in Australia, and her reputation ensures that the program has a rolling roster of the country's corporate and political leaders. The idea behind the hour-long TV program? To provide some analysis to the nightly two-minute finance news, and to investigate further the intersection between business and politics. Tiki Fullerton, welcome to The Artful Trader. Thank you, Michael. How did you get into financial journalism? I mean, didn't you start off as an investment banker at Credit Suisse?
1: I did. I did. It was quite a big jump, and it was at a time all this sort of stuff's a long time ago, Michael. But uh, was that it? Was at a time when, actually, it was the ABC in Sydney was looking for in the early '90s was looking for financial journalists, and in those days uh, they were rather thin on the ground. Uh, journalists are plenty. Investigative journalists are plenty, but there was something about business journalism that was just um, I don't know whether it was the jargon it was difficult to find and so of course all I knew about television was the on off button and uh, I'd been working in banking and it was really through, through a contact at Four Corners and I ended up moving into Four Corners as their business researcher on long-form investigative journalism, working to start with, with Paul Barry who at the time was doing all the great Bond stories and Elliot and uh, so it was great fun.
0: Great introduction to it, I imagine. It was. So now you've got your own show, Tiki on Sky News, which is on every day for an hour I mean, to some extent, this is a return to long form for you. Why why do you think that's necessary in business news?
1: It's long form in the sense that it goes for a fairly long time, i.e. one hour every night. Um, It's not long form in the way that journalists would talk about long form journalism. It's a news program. It's a flagship news program that Sky has started this year. They didn't have one and uh, they wanted to have appointment viewing every night So we try and get in there something of the day in addition to other uh, business news and stuff that we create ourselves perhaps. But the tagline of where business and politics meet, which is terrific for me because it gives me a very broad mandate. uh, But I try to get in whatever the big story of the day is. Politically or business-wise, and then we build it from there.
0: So you say there's no gap between politics and business world anymore? Can you explain what you mean by well, that? Well,
1: there's an extraordinary overlap, isn't there? You only have to look at the crises in Australia at the moment over things like uh, energy. Mm-hmm. So much of our economy at the moment is is built on what political strategies are. For example, you know, our infrastructure stimulus at the moment is is so important for 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 the economy. I think a lot of our business leaders. leaders. Leaders have, uh, whether they like it or not, been pulled into politics. Some in a way that uh, they've become almost pawns. But I think you've got, by necessity, business being pulled in partly because... People are much more aware of what's going on in business. So you look at what's happened in banking, for example, here, and the backlash and how banks are trying to come back uh, and how politicians have been using banks as a bit of a punching bag, actually, I think, recently. It it started, I think, for the right reasons, but I think there's now a bit of a punching bag.
0: Tiki, one of our guests, Raoul Pal, said in an earlier episode that finance news can degenerate into entertainment. Is that fair? I
1: think it depends what you're watching. I wouldn't use the word degenerate. Um, I think to attract an important audience, a broader audience, a thinking audience, it's quite good if you can throw a bit of entertainment in with business. You've, it's got to be watchable. If it's dry, you'll only get those that really either have to do it or who are, are wonks, basically. Um, market so, tragics. Yeah, yeah, market <laughs> tragics. And um, we, we certainly want a broader view than that. So, I really love, for example, contrarians, people like Jim Rickards out of the US, who's got enormous Twitter following and uh, is, is very entertaining, but he's also a very, very good businessman, highly respected. Contrarian, though, generally from the point of view of looking at the show, I like having light and shade in the show. We can have something really serious, really technical. And then we can have something softer. And I think, I wouldn't say it's all entertainment all the way through, but it needs to have some pull. And it goes right down to the energy in your voice and who you have on the show. People like you, Michael.
0: <laughs> oh, you're far too kind. You're to a But you, thank you, thank you're, you. <laughs> you're a real
1: pick-me-up for a Friday.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Ticky. even in the short time uh, that the show's been on the air, a relatively short time, the roll call uh, that we've seen in your, in your guests is extraordinary. Everybody from the Treasurer and the Finance Minister to Shadow ministers, to the, the top business people from not only Australia but around the globe... What's it like to move in that world?
1: Well, I, I love it. I'm, I'm delighted that having kicked off this show this year that both senior politicians and the C-suite in Australia and indeed some globally are are on the show every night. We try and get at least one person of that stature every night. And I'm glad that, you know, here we are, um, nine months in, and they're still coming. It's on the business channel, uh, not the main news channel. And I think the reason they come is because of the people that are watching. So while it may not have the audience of Today Tonight or whatever, it has uh, a very important and influential following. And I think that's created a little bit of a hub, which is which is great. So moving in that area, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very privileged, really. Uh, part of it is because I think I'm quite old and therefore I've grown up with some of these people. Um, But I also have an enormous amount of respect for many of our business leaders. I think it's... Very difficult at the moment. We touched on it before, but very difficult at the moment, with big business being somewhat on the nose, and easy target for government as well as the opposition to go for, whether it's bank taxes or, you know, hitting out at energy or, or indeed, um, big supermarkets or where, wherever you're going. That said, I really think it's important to talk about people who build this country. Mm-hmm. i have take an example of somebody I interviewed, uh, James Fazzino at Instec Pivot. Now, he's grown that company in 14 years. He's just stepping down. Uh, he's grown it from, I think, about $400 million to about $8 billion in, mm. in in market cap. And, uh, and he's changed, transformed the company now. It is now a global company. And he's fascinating to talk to about why he spent a billion dollars in Louisiana and not here nice. on, a, on a plant. And uh, part of it of course, is the gas story. So I like meeting these people because they've got stories and many of them are so important to the fabric of of Australia. It's a great privilege.
0: Mm. So, Tiggy, I'd like to drill into that a little more. Who is your audience?
1: Our main audience are, apart from the people who are involved with the show, so, as I say, the C-suite, I think very much the business end of town and the financial end of town. I think also, interestingly, there are, as I, I would say, sort of interested um, a listeners, if you like, uh, because it's a way to come in once a day. We do it at 6 and then again at 9.30, and for an hour you get a really good dose of business, business politics. So I think you've got the hardcore business, but then you've got the, the finance community as well and I think some interested generalists who are becoming more and more interested in business.
0: So, Tiki, I'm going to ask you to take us behind the scenes when a big news story breaks. How does it start?
1: Well, it starts with a break.
0: (laughs) Is that a tip? Is it a phone call? It can come
1: from anywhere. I mean, it can be a general uh, thing that uh, breaks on the news generally and then you're all rushing around uh, to see how you can take it further. But Because we're part of a... Continuous news channel, you'll find breaking stories come over the straps. I used to when I arrived, I was like what these ruddy straps everywhere. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, that's that's where they they flash up as 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 breaking news. In terms of the breaks that one creates oneself, uh, they are really exciting and really important. And for me, they can come occasionally in an actual interview. For example, this year, uh, John Mullen. I was interviewing the chairman of Telstra, and in that interview, it was a, a long way ahead of maybe a month ahead of the results. I asked him about the dividend, oh. and and he said, he, obviously chairman of the board, he wouldn't. He wouldn't say what the dividend policy was going to be, but he made some very strong points about he – said, he said he'd be carried out in a box, I think, if he, if he did do that. But he made some very strong points about how Telstra's major competitor in the future, Amazon, which is interesting in, in and of itself, was a company that didn't pay dividends at all. It had a growth model. And that if Telstra was going to compete, those are the sorts of models that it was competing against. And to me, that was a very big sort of aha moment. Mm. Uh, and then sure enough, there was a big whack in the dividend, as you and I have spoken about, which was a big shock. But I think we, we got it there in that interview for the first time. And so you sort of build around that and you, you make something of that but if you're going to really break something on the show, which we've had done a couple of times this year as well, I'm very proud of my reporter, Leo Shanahan, Dennis' son. Yes. He bo- both broke the the story of the budget, really, which was the bank levy. And indeed, subsequently, he, uh, he broke that internal review of the uh, Commonwealth Bank on the monitoring of the um, institutional division more recently. Now... One of those, or actually both of those, were I have no idea through his context, not mine. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so um, that's obviously that's that's why I hired him at the beginning of the year, really, to break stories. And uh, boy, has he delivered!
0: He certainly has, um, and he wouldn't tell me either he <laughs> got the story, <laughs> Ticky. So so what's it like? You're going to air. You know you've got an important story that nobody's aware of yet. How does that feel?
1: Terrific, of course. <laughs> One of the ways that the show is structured is that I have a little bit of... It's a double-edged sword, Michael, being both the <laughs> anchor and the EP, but I've got a little sort of piece up the front for a minute or two to sort of set the scene on something. It means you have to talk and have an opinion every night on something, which I, maybe some people won't, uh, won't appreciate, but it, there's so much going on. It's, uh, it's very important. So, of course, if you've got a breaking story then that's the way to couch that straight into it. And, uh, you know, you blow it out. You make sure people realise it. it is what it is. Uh, very often I'll get uh, on those two stories. We've had uh, Leo at the desk with me because it's a great way of being able to get the information out talking to somebody about things, as you would know, even talking markets, you can get a lot more out than if I produced a package on it and it has to be so sort of technically correct. Whereas if you and I are having a convo, there's a lot of sort of innuendo and asides and everything else which you can get out, which goes to entertainment as well, actually.
0: I mean, this is a highly intense business. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, there are similarities with being a trader here, I imagine.
1: Uh, well, I've never been a trader. I went up through corporate, corporate advisory, capital markets, corporate advisory, and uh, I think the pressures are similar but different. If you like, I think being a trader, you are there and you are you are waiting on markets, aren't you? You're you're waiting on markets and you've got plans, and but things move very very fast when they move. Doing a same day show and a one hour show, it is a sort of constant pressure, you know, to fill that show with something really meaningful and important. And given the Sky model, of course, we're pretty lean. So, So it's making sure you've got that pipeline of things that you've got uh, booked going forward, but equally you've got to have the flexibility, which you can do on a one-hour show, of moving when you need to. So uh, no, I've never, I've never worked so hard in my life, <laughs> to tell you at the moment, and that includes, you know, investment banking in in the late 80s in at CSFB, where you worked very long hours. But I think it's the combination of the hours and the intensity. But it's, uh, it's great, and you know, I'm sitting there surrounded by uh, the folks at the Australian newspaper. I'm sitting there in Holt Street, and these. People eat what they kill, you know, and uh, it's a terrific environment.
0: You don't seem unhappy about it, Ticky. Do you? It's, thrive look, it's on very
1: it? uh, well, you have to, don't you? Oh. Uh, otherwise, uh, you'd, you'd get out of the kitchen.
0: Yes. So you're at the higher risk end of the news cycle to some extent, too. And when you get break a story and it, and it turns out to have legs, it, it must be great. But Being high risk, there must be a danger that a story could blow up on you as well.
1: Well, of course, touch wood, that hasn't happened to me in a major way to date and being the executive producer of the show as well. Look, you do have a responsibility to get things right. And if you proffer an opinion, which we can do on Sky as opposed to my old shop at the ABC, but if you proffer an opinion, you've got to be able to support it because people get very cross if you just fly opinions around the place and, and there's no basis for them. So I think we take that quite seriously. And one of the things about business journalism, good business journalism, is that it should be based on on some pretty pretty big facts. And I think that's where the challenge lies with with business journalism as opposed to journalism. There's not that much difference between the two, but with business journalism, there's a lot of material. And so, you know, whereas you and I could talk about gay marriage till cows come home, uh, but in terms of the, the sort of hard numbers, statistics, fact, evidence, there's, there's not a lot that you need to get your head around to actually have an opinion, business journalism—you actually got to do a
0: bit of work. So, so one of the um, conundrums for traders, Ticky, is understanding how a news event will affect the market. Sometimes we see something happen over the weekend, and I often think, "Gee, that's really going to move the markets," and we get barely a ripple. On the other hand, sometimes what seem to be the most insignificant news stories have a large market effect. Well, what
1: are you doing, Michael? This is my question for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm turning the tables, Tiki.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I myself have been staggered at how the market has reacted to um, some of these heightened geopolitical risks, i.e. hardly at all. Mm -hmm. Whereas if something bends small in the property market somewhere around the world, who knows, that could suddenly send everybody off. I I find it very difficult uh, to see why some some market reactions have happened and some haven't. Particularly, there's been a lot of, in recent reporting seasons, there's been a lot of jumping around of share prices on on results day. And then things calm down, and you just see this. If you look back at the share price, you see this incredible sort of ziggy blip right in the middle there, and it just carries on where it started before the results. Um, so I think things are sort of shifting a little bit, whether that's, again, it's, well, I've, I'd turn the tables back on you, Michael, whether it's, uh, whether it's the shorters or, or um, the type of trading that's going on. I think it's very hard to tell. Mm.
0: Okay. So you preempted my next question, which was around the idea of being at the centre of the news cycle. Do you get a better understanding of what will affect the market?
1: I think that said, some, of course, because of the people that you get on talk and you talk talk to. And another thing about business journalism, and it's true, it should be true of all journalism, is if you don't know, find a man or a girl who does. You know, people who are saying, you know, okay, well, look, watch for this. Watch for this, and being at the centre of things and having access to people who know what they're talking about is is so Im- important. I think, yeah.
0: Okay, but you haven't been tempted to open a trading account yourself yet.
1: Do you know? And again, it's a hangover from twenty years at the ABC, uh, where we weren't allowed to. I just haven't got my act together yet, Michael. This year, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but I think I think there are some tremendous there are some tremendous companies uh, at the moment, and tr- tremendous people to be to be involved with, both on the startup side, you know, and on the on the on the big company side. And I think we're going through a really interesting change at the moment in terms of capital management of a lot of companies, and that should make a lot of people jump up and look at things, you know.
0: Tiggy, what's your most memorable reporting day?
1: Golly, that is that is such a, a difficult one because in terms of same day TV, uh, you know, it's all a blur. And there's a great phrase: "You're only as good as your last story." That that is so true. I think this year uh, the bank tax story was very exciting for Leo and I to to work our way through and and push that along. Uh, in terms of the great crashes, I was around for two of them, one at CSFB in the 80s and then one at the ABC uh, more more recently, obviously, in the noughties. And honestly, those events were a bit of a blur, I have to say, Michael, because you just, you just watched the market. Uh, so it wasn't your news and you, you were just thinking, oh, my goodness, like everybody else. Making sure you're in a room with that, with closed windows and all that, uh, <laughs> but again, I wasn't. I didn't have skin in the game then, you know. Unlike people in in the markets, I was just commentating. I think some of the Four Corners investigative reports we did one on multiplex, which I think led to to three hundred million dollar fine. Uh, one on West Point, uh, they were a couple of really good stories. I was pretty proud of of that sort of investigative journalism.
0: So journalism can be a force for good in markets.
1: I would like to think so. Otherwise what the hell am I doing, Michael?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate your perspective, Tiki, but surely there are some who have more nefarious intents. There are people who tried to manipulate the news cycle in an attempt to manipulate the markets. Have you come across this?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, you only have to look from the from the business side of, the, of manipulation. You only have to look at the, the basic press release uh, mm. and uh, how that works. But equally, that comes back to robust journalism, I think. Mm. Now, the world is full of opinion uh, mm. as well. And there are those who make a, a career out of being knocking in business too. Uh, which I think is, well, I suppose it has its place, but it's not my shop. I think there are now forces within the market. I talked about shorting, for example. There are shareholder activists. Uh, there are some, some, some forces outside of journalism but closer to business now, which then uh, push journalists And that's a very interesting new area, I think, of influence.
0: What other changes have you noticed either in journalism or in markets over your time?
1: Look, I think the big one is the rise of opinion. Everyone's got an opinion, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, the so, least one. <laughs> yeah, that, to me, uh, it goes to entertainment, this this increase in opinion, opinion journalism. And, of course, it's, it's very frustrating for some people to listen to, I'm sure. Uh, some of the opinion makers, you've got to go no further, for example, and this is not in business, but it's in politics, but, goodness, he talks about a lot of economics as well. Look at Paul Kelly at The Australian. Now... Mm. There is somebody, he's in his 70s, um, he is read by leaders. You know, he's an extraordinary influencer and so his opinion is, is fabulous. I think equally it's really important on a show like mine to, yeah, you can have an opinion, but to get the, the sources from the top and to get them on air... Talking about as close as you can to the issue. If not, then go to the horse. (laughs) uh, If you can get him or her.
0: And it's one of the strengths of, of Tiki, even though it's named after you. At the centre of the show is the story, not the personality.
1: Well, I hope so. Look, not my idea. This is a very sky idea. Um, but uh, uh, yes, I'm. Uh, in fact, I'll probably have to change my name. <laughs> 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 um, but it is very important. And, you know, you crave. Uh, wouldn't it be incredible to know what. Catherine Livingstone, chairman of Commonwealth Bank, is thinking right now what her long-term plan is, who she's looking for. She so, goodness me, she's moved fast. That board is moving fast. Um, and, you know, you, you, you do, you crave those, uh, those real stories behind the news if you can get them. And, and uh, again, it goes back to trying to get the people closest as you can to the story.
0: Tiki, you're reporting on matters that affect people's investments, their life savings, um, what you say can affect the markets. Do you think there's more responsibility on finance journalists to get it right?
1: Yeah, I do. I do think there's more responsibility on finance journalists to get it right. And it makes me very cross when either we get something wrong, you know, we, there's, a, there's a mistake in the data. But, you know, it is a problem for same-day television. Um, inevitably, if you're doing something on a weekly or a monthly show, there's got a lot of production behind it. And you make mistakes. That's more serious. Um, It's one of the problems in same-day television when everybody is moving incredibly fast and it goes back to, I think this is where experience comes in Uh, a lot. uh, You know, you can get some very clever young people, but I think one of the uh, great assets in this game of fast news and getting things right is actually experience. And you can't buy that... You know you can you can throw yourself into things, and the the one thing I would say to clever people starting in in business and business journalism, and indeed in markets, is your network is absolutely critical. And even if you're on a trading floor doing FX or something, uh, if your girlfriend's father's in a business somewhere, or you know, you're at a dinner party and somebody a little weird in their entertainment. Never mind. F- you know, find out a lot, all that you can about them. Swap your business cards, do your LinkedIn, get your social network going because it is extraordinary, particularly in a place like Australia, how small this fishbowl is and how valuable that is. We talk about uh, the value of data and who's got data and how important it is in artificial intelligence the value of human networks and when you're a journalist it's it's like this in spades and so here i am at 54 and having been in banking and then journalism for you know many years now And it goes all the way back to university. I was very lucky. And I had a bunch of Rhodes Scholars at Oxford, and they're all, you know, they've all done incredibly well. And that's been very, very interesting to watch. Just piling on there, as I say, you know, I've been around for a while, and you kind of grow up with a lot of these very important business people who were just, you know, sitting there in the ether uh, 20 years ago. But um, the experience to give yourself some context for something that's happened. And then you can give the audience some context, which again, in a way, goes to entertainment as well.
0: And I'm I'm going to have to pick you up on something you said earlier about being old, Tiki. It turns out we're the same age, so, you know... Yes, we're
1: we're that young. Less of the old stuff, if you don't mind. Yes,
0: we're that (laughs) (laughs) that young. So, Tiki, for traders, mistakes are an important part of the process of becoming successful. Traders learn from their mistakes. Is it the same for journalists? Look, I think it has to
1: be. Uh, And... uh, From a presenter point of view, it's very interesting because it's a bit like being an actor or an actress. You know, you can have uh, 110 million great reviews and then you've got one, a phone call or or an email that says, you know, that was appalling, there's a new low or you've completely lost the plot and you missed the main point and you get one of those and it keeps you up at night. Mm. Uh, and it sh- in a way it should do, you know. I think the other things uh, for me, I've been reasonably lucky. I think as an investigative journalist, it's, it's very interesting. You've got to be very careful uh, about business coverage and getting sued. Right. That's very important and um, I learned a great deal at Four Corners doing business investigative journalism.
0: So it's not just a matter of saying allegedly before every sentence?
1: No, no, no. I, I do think one of the uh, lessons learned if you're doing investigative journalism is that you've got to be so careful in business stories because of the potential legal action uh, that, you know, if you are going to somebody's reputation... And there are plenty of kooks around the place and there's plenty of opportunity to lift the mat on businesses that aren't working right. But having spent time at a place like Four Corners, you know, five years there, you do learn by your stories that you put out there. And again, you've had the time to do the research as well that you put out there. And if they then go off, to court, or there are complaints that come through that have to be, you know, dealt with. It is hours, weeks, months of your life when you are still working on the next story that you have to deal with. So there are there are lessons then learnt there, and you know, I've been uh, off to court, very much supported by the organisations that I work for. But when you push things uh, along, uh, you've got to you've got to make sure that you are you are right on on, uh, on as much as you
0: can be. Now, Ticky, you also spent time reporting on general news. Um, you've done a, a lot of investigative journalism, but you're essentially now a finance journalist. How is it different being a finance I journalist? I tried very
1: hard to get out of finance journalism. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I tried to. <laughs> went down to Canberra, went up to Brisbane for a couple of years, presented the uh, national farming program for the ABC. Actually, that was really important because it gave me well, – we're talking about contacts – the uh, rural industry and agriculture, which is now, I think, going to underpin, you know, a new – everybody keeps saying it's coming, it's coming, but you're seeing the beginnings of it in in, in dairy and agri. Now, I tried to get away from it for many years, and in part it was because finance journalism 15, 20 years ago was quite narrow. It goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, that business and politics now, it's become – so incredibly interconnected that that business seems to me anyway to be at the heart of everything.
0: So you've talked about how journalism has changed over the years, but how has business changed? How has business attitudes changed over the years?
1: Well, business itself has been transformed in terms of how accessible it has been to the media. So, for example, 20 years ago, if I tried to get a market analyst... To talk to about some move in a bank or BHP or not only would they not have time for you but you know they would know no way would they come out and talk on the record on air on TV. Now, uh, it's completely different. Uh, people, um, for whatever reason, they, they have become much more open and accessible. And, um, and indeed, the markets players are much more. You couldn't, you couldn't have run a continuous business channel like we do today 20 years ago. No way. You wouldn't have had the commentators who would have been out there speaking. And I think that's that's very important for markets because another, it's another way that markets are looking at things, isn't it? They've got that on in the background and it's, it's a very different thing, I think, from 20 years ago.
0: What do you see as the big news stories in finance right now?
1: I think capital management and the change in capital management is a very, very big story that's happening right now in boardrooms all over the world. I think uh, the... Bashing of the big end of town. I'm talking about general stories, general themes, thematics. The bashing of the big end of town and how that will play out.
0: The business people are the last villains left in the world. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I think, uh, and things like salary, salary packages, that sort of stuff. I think um, some of the scandals are still very big stories. I mean, banking does not need one more scandal. Okay, <laughs> just saying. Definitely not. <laughs> um, and I think the energy crisis is a, in Australia, is a massive story. I think Trump will be interesting. My dear father, who's 87 now, said he's probably got his money on Trump for a second term. Now, He's the first person who's called that. It'd be very, very interesting <laughs> to see if he's, uh, he's, he's right on that one. But there are there are so many big thematics going on at the moment, more almost, I think, than at any time I can remember in business, both at a, at a global level but also at a, at a national level crisis sort of level a uh, fantastic place for business journalists to be i must say
0: absolutely although it can be very dry ticky the, right. the business world it, you know a lot of numbers being thrown around some of the concepts are a little arcane how do you keep making it uh, fresh and interesting
1: well i think the news changes the news changes every day as i say i think there's just so much of it around um, in fact i quite like the occasional dry uh, technical interview, um, say, on, uh, you know, the yield curve or... um,
0: (laughs) Any uh, fascinating topic like that, yes. In
1: fact, debt markets, ETFs, um, currencies, uh, and probably we don't do enough of them, actually. The the, the dead zone for me is less a dry story, which I think it's the challenge of the journalist to make it interesting. It's when you get someone Mm. who is very dry on air. And that's quite hard to uh, to lift up, especially if they're very important. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just think from the point of view of people out there in markets who are trading markets, they are so close to the specific trends. Um, It's a great grounding, I think. People in markets who spend time in markets, they think fast, they, they, they get their networks. I think people in markets who are coming up can go on to do pretty much anything, including journalism. It would be great if we had some more markets people in journalism. I had a fantastic producer uh, at the ABC, Peter Robinson, and he was, he loved markets. And he used to just, he followed blogs, he followed, uh, you know, anybody involved in markets, global markets, any commodity, you know, any instrument, he was interested in it. And having someone like that sitting close to you is extraordinarily valuable. And I think getting people from the markets from the interface of where that really is going on would be very valuable for journalism.
0: Tiki Fullerton, thank you very much for your time and generous sharing of your stories today.
1: It's great to talk to you, Michael, and uh, I love your input on my show on Friday, so thank
0: you. (laughs) Thanks again. (laughs) That was Tiki Fullerton. For a special blog post by Tiki, drawing back the curtain on the nightly finance news, go to our website. The Artful Trader podcast.com, where new and existing clients can also access some limited time offers. The Artful Trader is an original podcast series by CMC Markets, a global leader in online trading. To stay up to date with the new episodes, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And make sure you share it with your friends and leave us a rating. I'm Michael McCarthy, and this is The Artful Trader.